Welcome to The Fix Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Robeck. Each week on our show, we invite a special guest to share their knowledge on health, wellness, and better daily habits so you can have the life you deserve. Let's get started. Today on the show, we had Dr. Carmen Stillo, my closest friend, and uh, we can call him mentor as well. And we discussed how Carm navigated his way from graduation all the way to becoming one of the most elite providers of professional athletes in most sports out there. He discussed who mentored him, some of the hurdles he's up against. And I believe for any provider that's recently graduating, whether you be a medical doctor, physical therapist, or a chiropractor, you will take quite a bit away from this podcast. So welcome to the show, Carmen. How are you today? Happy to be here, bud. Happy, happy to be there. I'm doing great. Thank you. And yourself? Doing good. Carm is, um, Carmen Stillo is uh, my closest friend. Uh, honored to say that. And uh, so much so that he actually married uh, myself and my wife uh, about 13 years ago this month. So very special human to me. And I met Carmen uh, in chiropractic school the first day pulling in, unloading my car, and we've been uh, best friends ever since. And the reason why we have him on the show today is because of the journey he's been on since he's graduated and who he is today and what he's accomplished. And I think that uh, the younger generation and the recent graduates, whether you be physical therapist, medical doctor, or chiropractor, learning how to navigate uh, the choices you have to make upon graduation to become successful in your career, it's no easy task. And Carmen was able to do that quite well. And so we're going to hear a bit of his journey and he's going to give us pieces of advice on um, how he made that happen. But we're going to start with a pretty simple question. Um, Wait, first of all, one second. Thank you for the kind words, but I appreciate it. Uh, feeling is mutual. And uh, again, I really appreciate the kind words. You're welcome. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no problem. You know, one thing about Carm is that uh, people look up to him and respect him because uh, he is treats the elite of the elite athletes in both NFL, NHL, and MLB. Am I missing anything, Carm? As far as the uh, I guess professional athletes in general, I guess. Yeah, track and field, obviously. And so, when a recent graduate, typically when they're in school, they're like, "I want to work with pro athletes." That's all I want to do. It's going to be one of those things that gives me that title and that prestige. And, um, and there's a good and bad with that. And we're going to discuss that. Um, but you've obviously achieved it and people want to hear how that happens. You know, for you and I going through school, I think some people, when we're going through school in our class are like, uh, it'll be interesting to see what those guys end up doing. <laughs> and look, and look. I think you thought we'd be the last people to be uh, relatively successful. <laughs> that is very true, and, and that's an understatement. <laughs> I think mainly the uh, the bottom of the barrel was better. <laughs> we, yeah, we enjoyed. You know, we were in chiropractic school. We were enjoying our time studying a lot. I was studying significantly more than you were. Uh, you were one of those <laughs> students that could go into a test without prepping and still get an A. And uh, I was one of those students that would study for. A good week to get that B, uh, which was, <laughs> and, we, and we were obviously um, roommates for quite a long time. So the, um, you know, going from that position and schooling and, and taking that part of our lives either seriously or not as serious as we maybe should have, and then becoming who you are, how did you start that process um, leaving school and, and when did it become a mission and a passion for you to be, develop your career? 
see, the interesting thing about that is coming out of school, I didn't feel prepared. I didn't feel like I had the backing, the, the knowledge and the experience. Obviously, you don't, but experience-wise, but the knowledge to really be successful. I, for lack of a better phrase, I almost felt like I didn't know what I was doing. But it, obviously, it, it, that, taking that into account, it wasn't really like that. But that's how I felt at some point. So when I came out, I actually gravitated more to... Um, like a personal injury setting, which I was not happy in. It wasn't, very, it wasn't, a, these can be quite corrupt. It wasn't corrupt and it was only for about eight, nine months. Um, so it was a way that I started, but I, I just recognized what I didn't like. And then I opened up a practice and again, trying to think, okay, well, maybe if I got on my own, I could try to figure things out. And again, at that, that I, I didn't feel like I had any traction with regards to becoming a better doctor. Then what ended up happening was I recognized and through a friend I met my mentor, uh, Dr. Mark Scappatici, who is world-renowned and has treated the top of the top in in every profession and every um, sport. But I, I gravitated and I followed him for nine months. He worked in four or five different clinics. I literally was his shadow. And at that point, I got trained in what he was teaching. It was a method. I did all the courses that he required and took the the necessary um, steps. And then he supplanted me into one of his clinics. And then things began. Now, my advice to anybody coming on, I've said this to many people on many different occasions, is find someone you trust and learn from them. Because you will, you will speed up the learning curve a thousand percent. You will go way faster than if you learned on your own. And one other thing that's very important to note is that the wheel's been invented. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Right. You find someone who you trust and you say, oh, their method works. And you learn from them because you don't need to reinvent the wheel to be successful. The wheel already has been invented. Right. You can perfect it. You can make it your own. Mm-hmm. But you're not necessarily have to reinvent it. And I learned that the first day I met, he goes by Scap. I go, the first day I met Scap, I walked in and he, in the first day, there was three Olympic athletes. There was one of the Blue Jays there. But what I noticed out of the 30 people he saw in a crazy Friday afternoon or Friday during the day was that every single person in that office was happy to be there. And every single person walked out of that office feeling better. Right. And not just better, like I left and I'm going to wait for my next adjustment three minutes later and then it's going to come back. No, it was working on the mechanics and pride in what he did. And he got, and everybody got better. Right. There was no, I need to see you four times a week for the next 36 weeks to see any, any, any improvement. Mm-hmm. It was day one, I'm noticing an improvement. Now let's see how long you sustain that. Let's move forward. I don't care if we move gradually or we take a huge jump to get you better as long as we're moving in the positive direction. And that's what I fell in love with. Right. I, um, and fortunately for me, um, I actually, I felt the same way coming out of school. I, I felt I was way too young to be practicing. I graduated at 25 and, um, and I started as an independent contractor right out of school. And I unfortunately didn't find a mentor until about seven years after I graduated. And that severely stalled out and hampered my career. I could be in a significantly different position right now if I had that out of the gates. 
And it's not that the position mm-hmm. I'm in right now is bad. It's just that I could be affecting and helping so many more people as well as other chiropractors. If I had that boost right when I graduated, uh, and I found my first mentor from you and, uh, scap, uh, became my mentor as a result of you introducing him to me. And obviously I learned a ton from you. So even though we're very close friends and peers, I still consider you a huge mentor of mine. And it's like, without that, we don't grow. We don't develop. We don't bounce ideas off one another. We don't call each other out, call each other dumb shits and say, what would make you think something like that (laughs) and be very transparent and real, uh, in a very safe environment. And, uh, to me, obviously the biggest thing is finding that mentor. But one thing I find of a challenge with uh, new chiros or physical therapists coming out of school is that they feel like they have to make a certain dollar amount when they graduate mm-hmm. and they don't realize the value and sacrificing an early income to learn, to learn how to be a great therapist for the long term. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they are they're, they're, they, like I tell new grads all the time, okay, what should I do? I go, listen, don't open up a business. Don't go open up a practice. You are going to, cause what you're going to gravitate to is easy way to make money. And that's usually, you know, personal injury, motor vehicle accidents, mm-hmm. all the bullshit that, that, you don't, you're not actually helping people. You're just collecting like some of these more real accidents. They're making four or five grand in six weeks. I don't even think I've ever built a patient, build a patient four or five grand in their, in their life. Like <laughs> these, these people, they're taking advantage of just the financial aspect and they're not actually doing any good. To uh-huh. be quite honest with you. When I, when I, in Canada, there's a lot of paperwork associated with these things. And what I do is I call the, the insurance, uh, adjudicator and I say, listen, I don't want 30 treatments. I want you to prove, I'm, I don't, and I don't want to do your paperwork. I want you to prove <laughs> five treatments with me. Five. $400 or $500 I want you to prove with me instead of the four grand. You'll save yourself a lot of money. Right. And I'll get this person better because I know what I can do it. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing is it's, 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 I, I, I use this phrase a lot. Like I'd rather bill, let's see, um, 50 patients once than one person 50 times. Because those 50 patients are going to tell people and those are going to tell more people. And that's how you go in business, by doing good, solid work. Like I remember, like, you know, Sean, I remember when you came, I think it was your first guy you were with that singer guy. You remember? Was it that Portland? Yeah, right. Yeah, my first couple of years of practice. Yeah, and like, and it was a whole different model, right? And that's why it's important to find someone you trust and you believe in. Because no offense to that guy, like I don't believe in that model. So mm-hmm. he, he, even though he's a, a, theoretically a mentor, he wouldn't be a, a good mentor to you. No, uh, it you know was what a, I mean? He's not uh, going to give you the sound. Yeah, sorry, there's a difference between practice management and managing a patient. And practice management is about numbers and generating revenue. And you need to do that. Healthcare is a business uh, and you have to survive and support your family, but you can do it ethically and you can do it in a way which the patient care is priority and they get better within Mm -hmm. a reasonable, reasonable amount of visits. And that way we as a profession can build our reputation beyond what it currently is. And for the listeners out there, if you're unaware of what PI means, that's personal injury. That's a med legal situation where somebody gets hurt by somebody else and then insurance covers it. I think for you, Carm, that person, whoever you spoke to over the phone that said, just give me four visits and I'll fix that person. I guarantee that's probably only time that person has ever received a phone call. I guarantee they always say that because we don't usually get these phone calls. Yeah. Um, yeah. so let me ask you this. What is, what's been the biggest hurdle for you or one or two biggest hurdles since you've, um, been in practice? Um, the biggest hurdle is my insecurities. Like 
I could, like, I was just part of this bubble, 32 days in this bubble. And I've been doing this for 21 years. I've been to three Olympics. I've treated every major sport, fastest man on earth. And I still have insecurities. Yep. I still believe I'm not doing the right thing. I can do better. I don't know what's going on. Like this person is stumping me. What's wrong with me? I should know this. Why don't I get this? You know what I mean? Or why did this person come up? Like, I don't know if in certain ways that could be construed as, or, or, or read as, okay, you know, at least that's what's making you better as a, as a practitioner because you don't think you know all the answers. Right. But I think in my head, it's, it's also something that spurs what as a, you know, when I was younger, that's, that's, that's a, 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 a conversation for my therapist. Not <laughs> but uh, yeah, but like even just the insecurities that, that I've gone through in my life, whether it's um, mental or physical are, are, are my hurdle, yeah. like because again, it doesn't matter if I if I if I snapshotted my wall, I have six or seven jerseys, you know, things beautiful things to me, and and I and I have to, and to believe them is the hardest part, right? And you I, understand? I do understand, and I and you know, I think for one. We all know that motivates to keep going, keep learning, keep practicing and striving to be better and better. And I think that's what makes an amazing therapist. Nothing is worse than an arrogant, egotistical therapist that thinks they know everything and just trudge you through life with this, uh, this armor around them thinking that um, their shit doesn't stink. And those are people I don't surround myself with. Uh, and that's why I really, you know, I think why we have had such a great relationship. we support one another. We know that we don't know it all. And we know that we have our insecurities and we, and we're trying to break through them and knowing that we will never, ever feel totally secure. Uh, and I guess that's yeah. part of the process, but it's also the fun part of life trying to manage those things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, is, it makes us who we are, right? It, it defines, it defines, um, our next moves, shall we say, you know what I mean? Like we, we base things on these insecurities mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's a good thing. Like I do, I, I do like it in my, in my, how it, how it lands in my world, just primarily because I've been able to use that to my benefit. Another thing that I've, I'm kind of, and you know this obviously because you've known me for a long time, but currently I have a, a, a good degree of ADD. So mm-hmm. I have a problem focusing and you've seen that on many occasions. Um, mm-hmm. but the problem, the thing that I've used it, like if you come to my office, I have five rooms, I have one person on acupuncture, I have one person in, on laser, I'm working soft tissue on another, the other person's waiting in another room till I get there. Then I take them, like I have multiple things that I'm juggling at one time mm-hmm. and each person gets exactly what they need, no matter how busy I am, cause I'll never let someone walk out this door without with the proper care. Right. And I'm able to do that because of my ADD, like another colleague of mine who's in the same office as me, he's like, I don't know how you do it. I would lose my shit because mm-hmm. he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm Irish. My blood pressure would hit the roof <laughs> if I had two people at the same time. Meanwhile, I got five. He's seen 12. I'm seeing 30. Like <laughs> it's a, uh, it, I've been able to maximize a lot of my weaknesses and beca- make them strengths. Yeah. I love that. And you know, for the listeners out there, Carm, I, 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 I can't wait for us to get together. But when Carm says, meet me here, my first question is who's coming with you? Because I know that when I hang out with Carm on a weekend somewhere, he's probably treating athletes. But when we're out socializing at night, he's out bouncing around. And it's like, I got to be around hanging out with somebody else because I know I can't lock this guy down because he's got he's got to be <laughs> all over the map, uh, which is 
one of the things I love about you, but it's, um, it's truly remarkable to be able to treat someone. I mean, you probably were 10 hour days at times and you're seeing 30 patients and you're, you're delivering amazing care. And, um, welcome to today. That's what today looks like. <laughs> and so thank I you. Got for here at 740 and I, leave, I got here at 740 and I'll leave here at 650. <laughs> and you spent a half an hour on the phone with me. Well, you probably have two people waiting in your waiting room. So I appreciate it. No, I blocked off time. the afternoon. <laughs> I blocked off. I got, I'm smart about that one. Now, the one thing is that when we have new graduates thinking, all I want to do is work on pro athletes when I get out, or that's going to be the best thing in the world. If I can be contracted with the NFL or NHL, um, Let's talk about what that really means. You have a family. You've been married for 20 plus years. You have two twins. You have twins that are currently at eight now. Uh, they're going to be seven. Seven. So there. Yeah. So let's talk about where being an elite therapist or a provider for elite athletes takes you uh, and your travel schedule. And how do you manage your family life? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because like, you know, if I was single, um, I like put it this way in my travels, I hear a lot of athletes saying, Hey, do you know a guy in so-and-so or do you know a guy here? Because I can't find anybody. And if I was single and I had the opportunity to travel, like if I was in my early twenties and I just wanted to go and move around, there were cities that I would jump to and make an shit kicking just because they don't have quality therapists. Right. None of the athletes are getting exactly what they need in all sports. Like let's use Chicago, for example, there's a few guys in Chicago that I like and they're, they're you know, they're capable, but if I, because of my, my reach, it would, I, I'd be busy for 10 years over there. Right. You understand? So I've had to temper that down to, to establish a family. Me and my wife have tried having kids for many years, was unsuccessful. Then we finally have twins. Um, so I was traveling before I had the twins. And by that time, I was doing the track and field. And track and field took me away for longer times, like 10 days, 14 days. Olympics was about 27 days, not including training camps and not including like national championships and et cetera and, and diamond leagues. So what happened was I was away a lot. But since the kids came, I've only, well, minus this last bubble experience, 32 days, which is the longest I've been away, um, I limit it to about 24 to 48 hours that I'm gone. So I leave on a Monday, come back on a Tuesday, leave on a Tuesday, come back on a Thursday at the latest. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've made it so I don't, I'm not along away for a long time. And I try to, um, limit, like, I'm not, I'm not going to run just because someone says, Oh, my finger hurts. Can you run? I, I, I'm right. like working around and trying to get a schedule going. So two, three times a month I'm, I'm traveling. Got it. But let's, and usually, like again, it's, so it could it could translate to five days a month. It could be three days a month. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, at home, my wife's been very supportive and she's been helpful with this. So uh, as far as this is concerned, I'm I don't have you know what I mean. Like there's obvious. Oh my God, you you're going away again. Okay, well, because right. my wife does work. She has you know Deb very well, and she's got like she's a very successful uh, professional herself. Right. So she has a life. She's got work. So for me to be gone, she, that means the responsibility of the children is on her, for example, dropping them off, making sure that, okay, picking them up from school. So therefore that all falls on her. Right. And so there's sacrifice. You're yeah. sa there's a, there's a yeah, big sacrifice. She sacrificed, like she single-handedly has sacrificed her happiness and, and her, her um, sanity a lot of times to make sure that my profession has, has uh, flourished. And That's again, right. I, um, it's hard like to maintain 
one thing that you, you know, unfortunately, in in this profession, is if you're out of sight, out of mind. Like, if you don't go, these guys need work. They're going to get it somewhere, so they'll call someone else. And right. you either are that guy, you're committing to it, and or you're not. So sometimes there's times I'm like, oh, I got to run to Chicago or I got to run to so-and-so. And do I want to be going from Minnesota to St. Louis and then to um, Winnipeg? No, not really. Right. But sometimes you have to do it or else these people are going to find other people and then you lose that connection. Sure. And, you know, it's time away from your wife as well as your kids and your kids are growing up. They're seven years old right now. And it's, you know, you, sometimes you were just in the bubble in Edmonton with the NHL. How long were you actually away from your family at that point or during that time? 32 days. So 32, 32 days. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you yeah, got back, you your what, kids Sean, looked different. <laughs> That's a big Sean, sacrifice. It was beautiful. You know, I'll tell you why. As much, it was a mental grind. Like I got mentally the shit kicked out of me yeah. because, you know, you're stuck in an area for 32 days where, you're, if you're busy, you're okay. But as teams started getting knocked out, and as you go, you went from hour treatments to like 20 minute tune ups. You know, I'd be seeing seven, eight guys for 20 minutes each. That's like three hours of work. Mm-hmm. I do three hours of work in my sleep. Right. I worked out twice a day. There's only so many times you can go get food. Like you're stuck, and there's not a blade of grass you saw for 32 days. <laughs> right. So the beauty part, why I say it was beautiful, is because when I came home, actually, I, I, I came home three days early. And I surprised everybody. And when I walked in the door, I literally, um, I walked in the door and my daughter dropped her iPad and ran to me and was crying. And me, for me, that was the single most best feeling as a parent since the day they were born. So as much as it, it, it sucked to be away, mm-hmm. it was so great to come home. Yeah. Like it, it, it renewed my, 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 it almost increased my emotional attachment with my children. Oh. That's um, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was a grind. It's definitely hard, but I, I definitely um, did not mind um, the way I felt when I came home. Yeah. And it was financial. The financial compensation was good. So it was always like, you know, okay, this is going to be vacation money for the next five years for our children. You know what I mean? So sure. it was always that kind of thing in the back of your head. Right. Yeah. And I think let's, you know, with, um, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have to get back to treating patients. No, no, I'm good. You're, go ahead, please. There, there is a, um, you know, our therapists that are listening right now are, you know, are wondering what's it like to treat a professional athlete. And I've watched you and shadowed you and, and, you know, we've co-treated uh, athletes before. Um, and what's in, what I think makes you unique about the, the athlete's experience with you, which is why they love you and, and <laughs> call you <laughs> all throughout the year. Uh, <laughs> during season, during off season is your relationship to the patient or the athlete and how you speak to them. And ultimately the, the, um, the friendship you develop with them and also how much they know that you care about their success. Um, and how you can talk about the sport in which they're in. You almost speak to them like they're the, they're your, they're, you're the manager. Uh, it's quite remarkable. So, you know, can you talk about how you develop relationships with these type of, uh, athletes? Yeah. So there's a couple of things about that. One, so I have a lot of people that, that, that shadow me. There's a, there's a gentleman here right now, like he's in the other room and they come and hang out, whether they're in university, whether they're in chiropractic school. And I, when, when they come in here, I tell them, listen, I don't give a shit whether you know why I'm releasing the psoas or if that's the dorsal sacral ligament. I don't give a shit whether you think this is an SI joint or you know what I'm talking about. What I care is when I leave the room that you have 
a verbal conversation with these patients and actually show that you have a personality because personality takes you way farther than what you're what's in your head. Mm-hmm. These people don't need me to hear me to say, oh, yes, it's your, um, your external oblique that's causing, um, you know, compression on your iliohypogastric nerve. Like, they don't care. Right. They do not give a shit. No. So what they want to know is that you have, you speak to them like, like a person, like a normal person. And one of the other things is I don't walk in there and say, oh, my God, you had such a great game last night, uh, Patrick. You looked really good. Right. Oh, my God. You know, can I have your autograph on my, on my eye? They don't care about that. Like, they like the fact that, like, I'm, I treat a lot of hockey players, but I really don't like hockey that much, to be quite honest with you. So that comes out. I know everything about it. I know the moves. I know who's getting traded to who. Like, I speak to them normally, but they know that I don't give a shit about hockey. Got it. So that actually is almost appealing to them. Right. That they feel that, like, if, for example, when I work track, they always say, did you, work, did you run track? No, I'm, I'm a slow Italian dude. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't run track. But listen, I'm going to know about you, what you do. And we're going to be friends. So you yeah. kind of create almost like a friendship with them because they need to trust you. Right. That's the key. They need to trust you. And for them to call you back, because there's so many people waiting for that per- that phone call. For, for every time I get a phone call, there's a hundred other chiros waiting for that same phone call. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, know? You, you launched, I would say that you launched my, my uh, sports rehabilitation career, both you and SCAP, but I was treating with you in uh, New York City at the Reebok uh, track and field event. Uh, and I don't even know how many years ago that was, but, um, I ended up meeting some distance runners and, um, we, we connected and, and, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden I was kind of, again, I remember them, but and these guys, you have to understand the interesting thing about these people is you saw her, how nice was Shalane? She was such a great person, right? They all were. Yep. Yeah. Great people. You know, these people are like world record holders. Right. These people are like gold medalists yep. and their, their recognition that you are just, they're just people. And they understand that too. Yep. Like they don't like to be, they, they, they need their ego stroke a bit by other people. But I think the person that, that they had their, had their hands on them, they don't need their, their ego stroke from you. That's right. And that's what I, I, I was like, you were great with them because you were good friends with them. Like Shalane, coach cook. I remember all these people, you had a great relationship with them. Why? Because, they appreciated you just for your, for for your treatment, not because you were like some, you know, track athlete trying to, you know, trying to get in the, get in the sport. You know what I mean? And I think that's an important point for the listeners is that when I was heavily involved with track and field at the Olympic training center in Chula Vista, uh, I knew very little about track and field to the point where I would call Carm and be like, what's a good time for the 400 and is the 400 all the way around the track. And so it, would, <laughs> it was, it wasn't that bad, but it was to that level where I could, I had to learn as I was treating these athletes and, and I was trying to get them to, it wasn't about oftentimes injuries about performance. And so time mattered and, and we had, you have to speak the game, but it doesn't mean you have to, be know everything about it. Just get your, just jump in and uh, don't be intimidated, but make sure you certainly learn about their sport. I got that, f- Well, listen, like I always use a, you know, the phrase, if you're treating a hurdler and you know, you obviously have a, a lead leg and a trail leg and if the, the, the trail leg is rotated and you try fixing that you're fixing an adaptation that actually helps them. Right. Um, help some hurdles. So you need to watch, you need to know the sport to say, okay, these are the mechanics of the sport. And a lot of these guys don't have injuries, but what you're looking for, what you're trying to do is that's where you have to become astute and look for the little, little, little nuances. 
and say, this is what I need to do to get this person better. So see, it's this little ankle. He might not notice that his ankle's locked. Right. But you can notice it and then his fibular head and then you release that and then all of a sudden his time goes up. So I always joke around like, you know, I can get out. See, that's why I love hockey right now. I love hockey and I love track for different reasons. Track, hockey, because I can get a guy 95% better mechanically and he's going to go out there, get a hat trick and get the first start of the game. Mm -hmm. I go get a sprinter 95% better and he's going to ship the better for a finish last. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So you really have to know your sport and know what you're trying. I, I was lucky to start with track because you know, like I was working on the South of Powell, Usain Bolt, um, Shelly, uh, Shelly Ann Fraser. These are all multiple gold medalists, world record holders, and all the. And, and you're talking about the fastest of the fastest. Right. And these people, you are just tuning a Ferrari. So you have to look at them and say, I have to be as specific as possible with my treatment and knowing what I want to do. Your intention has to be solid. Like they don't want. They don't want someone going and changing the world for them. They just want to know that they're ready to go. And once you build that uh, trust with them, you say, hey, you're ready to go. They're ready to go. They walk out and then they crush it because they know that you just fix them. Yep. I have one last question for you. Um, Go ahead, Where do you see yourself um, in the future as a therapist? What's the future hold for you? See, that's interesting because, like, I'm a shitty businessman, right? So I, I... I like to work mm-hmm. and I'm a worker bee. Like I can see there's like scap really like I, I, I can see 30, 40 people a day and, and, and feel great about it. I don't know how long my hands are still good. Everything is great. But, um, like I could never open up like that, that I can never, but to open up this big business and treatments and do all this thing with like three or four therapists, it's hard for me. I don't want to be an administrator. I don't want to be a business owner. I'd like yeah. just being a grunt worker. Mm-hmm. So I can see myself, trying to just continue on, you know, building clientele, building athletes, private, private clients that, you know, I know it sounds weird, but like doing home visits and stuff like that, that'll right. give you a little bit more bang for your buck. Sure. If I ever want to slow down a bit. Got now, it. as far as treatment concern, like in using that same question, where do I see myself treatment wise? Again, going back to 31 minutes ago, you know, you can't reinvent the wheel. Sometimes you, you, there are new things that are going to come out. And, you know, I've seen great therapists, including SCAP, including guys like Mark Lindsay and Keith Pine, busting out all these crazy new, mm-hmm. new, new tools. And the reality of the situation is they don't use them anymore. You know why? Because they, what works, works. And they know it works. Right. I love that. Get it? Yep. So, like, you don't need to say, oh, like a lot of times, oh, I have this crazy new machine. I have this new decompression thing. I got this, this. But ultimately, what it comes down to is there are very basic things that should be maintained. And if you can maintain that basic um, principle of biomechanics and improving, listen, I always use this phrase too. I know I keep on saying that phrase, that word, that, uh, that line, but if 10 people came in my office and they were wearing duct tape in their, on their mouth, and I don't know if they had a shoulder problem, a knee problem, a finger problem, an eye problem, and I just solely address mechanics and posture, posture primarily with exercise and, um, and, and soft tissue work and adjustments and stuff like that, like my normal, yep. um, I could fix eight out of 10 of their problems. Love it. And that's just by, that, that just tells you how much of this world is posturally inept. Mm-hmm. You it. know what I mean? The I sitting know. is the new, the smoking of the 2000s. Now we're like, everybody's sitting, everybody's hunched over, everybody's on the devices, everybody's driving, everybody's, you know, on their computers. And that, that just creates so much, so much internal um, derangement of, of, of a solid 
of a solid structure that now has become biomechanically yep. faulted. You know what I mean? I do. Um, God, I love that. You know, sitting is the new smoking for the 2020s. It's, I've heard that a couple of times and I hope that catches fire because it's, it's so powerful and it's so very true. Uh, you're, uh, if I was a new graduate and I listened to this podcast and I was, um, looking to treat professional athletes, this would have helped me a ton. So thank you so much for being on. I love you to death. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on again in a few more months, your wealth of knowledge. And, um, we need to get together soon. Yeah. We can go over different injuries and different, like, you know, I know Sean, we talked about quickly. I just wanted to touch on something. You, you you talked about the psyche of an athlete. Uh Um, in our last conversation, we talked about this a little, a couple of days ago. And I just wanted to point out the psyche of an athlete what you have to understand now is, you know, there's a, a very prominent hockey player that I work with and he, he has a very, like this one agent has like seven or eight of the top players in the league. And it was about three or four years ago, it was world cup and it was in June. And the guy said, Hey, I, I got a private jet. We're going to fly you guys, you and X, Y, Z players to Brazil. And we're going to watch the semifinals and the finals of the world cup. It's going to be one week. We have five-star accommodations private jet, don't worry, everything's going to be great. And he said, his response was, no, I cannot come. I cannot take a week off training. And this is in June. Right. What I'm trying to get at is the world has changed when it comes to, to athletics. It, you could get by before by, by being, you know, taking a few months off and doing this. It doesn't happen anymore. These guys, it, they, their regimes and their people are, are more educated and everybody is balls to the wall now. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who's 30 years old waiting for a contract doesn't get one anymore. Now it's the 18 year old that just is on a, on a rookie contract is, is, is being chosen because he's more skilled. He's faster. He's less injured. He's got like the, 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 the work ethic and the older guys, again, leading into our conversation about getting a mentor, the older guys, are the guys that, that have done all the groundwork. Okay. You should see CARM. You should get treatment regularly. You should get, um, these are the people you should use for training. And now these young people are benefiting from all this stuff that was already done in the past. Right. You know what I mean? So like the, the psyche of an athlete has changed. Like they are dialed in. I mean, like I work in primarily in hockey right now and they are dialed in. Yeah. There's no, uh, win the Stanley cup and take two months off and party with your friends and celebrate. It's win the Stanley cup and get no, right back to training <laughs> and get right back to training. You know, there are guys that haven't, there's there's guys who haven't even made the playoffs this year. So they've been off since, since COVID since, uh, mm-hmm. since March and they are still training. They've trained this whole time. You're talking October and these guys are still balls to the wall right? and they don't even know when they're going to start yet. Right. Like that's insane. Like, but that's happening. You know what I mean? So, so just like that, that's why it's important to understand to treat them. You have to understand their psyche. You have to understand what their need is. Like, listen, I go to their houses at nighttime. Like last night I got home at 11 o'clock at night. That's what you got to do. Sometimes you got to go and treat a few people because these guys need the constant care. Right. You're the best man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you on again and we'll talk. Yeah. Maybe we can have you on and talk case studies and specific injuries and how to treat them. Perfect. I'd love to help. All right, Carm. Thanks buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye Sean. Bye buddy. Hey everyone. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you did, please like, and subscribe to stay tuned. See you next week on another episode of the fix podcast.